1: of this Sword and Shield podcast is intended for a mature audience, as the topic of suicide will be discussed. If you or someone you know is contemplating suicide, you can contact the National Suicide Lifeline at 988. But good day, gladiators. Thank you for listening to another episode of our Sword and Shield podcast. This is Francis Martinez, Director of Psychological Health for the 960 Cyberspace Leading, and I have two guests with me today. Uh, from the Pentagon, we have Major General Thomas Soljum, the U.S. Army Chief of Chaplain. And we also have the 960th Cyberspace Wing's 1st Sergeant, Master Sergeant Shatasha Estes. So thank you guys for both joining uh, with us today.
2: This is Chaplain Soljum. We're very happy to be here.
0: This is Master Sergeant Estes. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Chaplain Soljum. Really looking forward to this conversation
1: so so chaplain i i have seen um a couple of your discussions and presentations, and that's why i wanted to um uh, have you be a part of this podcast today um but can you give us a little bit of your background and and uh who you are and your history before we get started
2: sure so i'm uh i am uh, the twenty fifth u s army chief of chaplains and um A major general, but of all the titles, um, I think I'm just the one that uh, I'm most proud of is that I'm an Army chaplain or the Army's chaplain. And and to be a part of this organization and support the men and women and the civilians and their families who serve is an awesome privilege. As we say that we are here to care for the soul of the Army, and we do it by investing in people, by connecting them in spirit and cultivating community. And um, uh, one might think that, boy, you're the chief of chaplains for the Army. You probably have had um, a golden life and uh, you haven't uh, had any difficulties or challenges. Um, Well, that would be the furthest thing from the truth. So a little bit of my background, I grew up in what I would consider to be an idyllic childhood in rural North Dakota on a ranch. uh, And... um, Enjoyed my youthful years very, very much. Close family connections, community connections, and a a religious upbringing. But during my formative years, we moved off of away from that uh, setting and moved into the city. And uh, during my formative years, my uh, my family of origin had a breaking up. My parents divorced, and uh, the things associated with that. And my family system fell apart, um, and it began in me a down, downward spiral, which led to drug use and addiction, and it caused me to find myself in a place where of difficulty where I was just uh, running away and the, uh, running to something, and that running to something was the United States Army, and this was back in 1973 on the delayed entry program, Um, and right out of high school in 1974, I went into the military, Uh, and that military culture at that time was very troubled as we look at our environment today and see all of the fissures in our culture and the challenges that we face and we often call the harmful behaviors in our military. I would invite you to go back in history um, and to understand it, that uh, we have been in these places before, and And in some ways, uh, uh, in greater degrees of difficulty and peril than we are experiencing today. And there was a lot of racial problems in that army um, and a lot of other difficulties the things that uh, we deal with today, substance abuse and the way we treat each other. And I was making choices that were not healthy choices. My first duty assignment was in Bamberg, Germany, and all of the behaviors of my youth. Found the perfect, uh, my rebellious youth found a perfect incubator um, in the Army of that era. Um, I lost my rank multiple times. Um, I had a couple of near death experiences with drug overdoses and risk taking behaviors. The big issue, and I know you often talk about things of leadership, there was really a lack of leadership in that culture, that Army culture. I ended up being sent to a psychologist for substance abuse had a couple of sessions, uh, with them. But, uh, the, at the end of the day, the bottom line, um, I was not socially connected. I was, I, I had acquaintances, but I didn't have people that really cared. And, um, and overcoming isn't something that we can necessarily do alone when we're in a hard place. Um, and we need other people to come alongside and help. And, uh, The agency of that assistance for me was found in the person of a Sergeant First Class Doc McElroy, who was a person of faith. Uh, He happened to be a Christian, but uh, uh, he was also African-American. And as I mentioned, the racial issues, um, so it wasn't natural to foster relationships or to uh, reach out to people across racial lines, but uh, he did. And through my relationship with him, from him asking me probably the most uh, transformational question that anyone had ever asked me up until that point, when he saw the condition that my life was in, he asked me if my life was worth living this way. I knew the answer to that question, um, and through that relationship with him, I began to learn that um, that I was here for a purpose and that I was valued, and life did matter, and my life did matter, and that I had a purpose for being. And he helped me in that relationship to find that both uh, spiritually and in my own faith walk. Um, And then he also realized that he was insufficient, (laughs) uh, as good as a non-commissioned officer, that I really needed somebody to come alongside, and so he introduced me to the chaplain. We didn't have one assigned to our unit. But a chaplain that was in the infantry unit there in Bamberg, and his name was a uh, chaplain at that time, Captain Sam Sanford and his wife, Linda, became acquaint- acquainted with them. They took me into their world and they began to invest in me. They invested my, themselves into my spiritual life. And as we and and ultimately, as we use common terms today. Really began, really started the journey of building spiritual readiness in my life. Um, as a result of the investment of uh, Doc McElroy and my newfound relationship with the Lord as a Christian, a person of faith, and the tutelage and mentorship of the chaplain, um, I'm sitting here today, uh, these many years later, um, right. as the U.S. Army 25th Chief of Chaplains, and uh, I could not have envisioned this kind of life and opportunity, but it all began with the connections that were made early in my life.
1: What do you think the transformation process that guided you or that really stuck with you to really change your life from, you know, those destructive behaviors to, you know, committing and making that, that spiritual change?
2: Yeah, I think I think it was real, realizing that I had value and worth to others. I think one of the biggest struggles we face in our culture today is social isolation. Um, we have a generation now, or generations potentially, that lack connection. Um, they are socially is- isolated, and my problems are emanating from the lack of connection, meaningful connection, and meaningful life purpose. So I, I think that... On a spiritual path, spiritual life is so important. a lot of the issues that we immediately connote as behavioral or uh, in nature um, are really have a spiritual root or foundation to those issues and problems. So I think unless a person really gets at the root causes, we are just simply treating symptoms. And I think the root causes in my life were was brokenness, obviously, relational brokenness and then behaviors that that ensued out of that and that spiritual disconnect from my from my mooring so i as i mentioned early on i grew up in a home uh, in a family of faith but things happened in my life that caused that faith to be severely challenged and tested and even questioned and i became disconnected and it was people who cared who helped me to regain those connections I think is the reason, um, that I was able to turn a corner. And I, I mentioned also, Hey, you don't turn those corners alone. And, uh, I, I think that's another issue in our culture today that, uh, there's a self-sufficiency narrative that I can do everything myself, which really is not accurate. It's not healthy and it's not helpful that we really need meaningful relationships and connections with other people. So I, I think, uh, I think it was really knowing that someone cared and that I had value and worth and that my life mattered. And, uh, and then when I, when you know those things and you begin to ask the deeper questions of what do I do with my life now? Um, a lot of those things, interestingly enough, happened, they were accelerated once I knew and understood who I was. Uh, the decision to become an army chaplain occurred while I was still in Bamberg and if, uh, just a quick vignette, I was sitting in the chapel where it's a place that I'd often go just for solitude and solace to to think and to pray and to meditate and potentially read scripture. Uh, And uh, I was sitting there one day and I was thinking about my life and I was uttering a little prayer. And I said, you know, Lord, I am really thankful for where I am today uh, and I would do anything. Uh, I want to serve. I want to serve you. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, what is it that I could offer up at this point? Because I really didn't, and I want to be really honest with the audience, that was an army back then that you survived. It was not one that you thrived in. And so I offered up this, uh, this little Hail Mary, if you will, and I said, Lord, I'd do anything. And then I thought about Chaplain Sanford, and I said, you know what, I'd even be an army chaplain. And I, something happened. I, I pivoted at that moment in that utterance and if you would have met me outside of that chapel that day and you would have walked alongside me and asked me what i was going to do in the future i my response i believe would have been i don't know how i'm going to get there but i think i'm going to be an army chaplain so when one when a person finds their sense of me- meaning and their reason for their existence and the opportunity to serve that life is about serving that's when the real powerful journey um, of one's life begins, I believe, find your way.
0: Thank you, sir, for that. This is uh, Master Sergeant Estes. You mentioned earlier when you were speaking about realizing the value and the worth um, that you bring to others. When did you realize how um, valuable in your experiences and everything that you had dealt with to that point um, would be beneficial to others?
2: Thank you for that question for sarn i um so I would tell you that the chaplain what he did was amazing um in the sense that he had me come alongside and um uh back in that environment uh there there were prisons in Europe. we had a lot of people incarcerated a lot of our soldiers were incarcerated, so he would take me along with him and have me tell my story to the inmates. A, f- a few of them I actually knew. <laughs> um, and um and I think that to answer your question, that's when things really began to change that I I I began to realize that, wow, um I can impact other people um through sharing with them my experiences and difficulties and challenges and helping maybe helping them to realize that there's hope for them and that there's opportunity for them, even, even in a state of being incarcerated. Uh, So I think the chaplain really helped me to see and understand that I had a responsibility to be a steward of the goodness that had occurred in my life and to share that and invest it in other people. So I think that's what really the chaplain really helped me uh, to turn that corner to take uh, what was now my experience and then translate that into action uh, that impacted people. Um, And when you have those experiences, it fuels the the flame uh, to want to serve people in that capacity. So I think that's really where the roots of my calling originated from.
1: Uh, We talk about um, that connection, right? Building connections and and getting that support. If it wasn't for that first person to really ask you and and talk to you, um, you you know, it sounds like your life could have gone down a very different path. Some people are scared, right? Or they're so involved in themselves, um, you know, phones and and, uh, things like that, that they are so, like you said, so disconnected. But I think it's important for us to realize that, you know, when we see someone that's not connected or when we see someone that is struggling, even though we might be scared of what the answer might be, is to really, you know, ask them what type of help that they need or how can we help them or what do they need um, and show that support. And you don't have to be a chaplain and you don't have to be a a first sergeant or psychologist or a social worker. To really engage with these people, it could be anyone, and it sounds like it was anyone, and that was available to you to really help you kind of go down that that other path.
2: Yes, Francis, that's an excellent point. Uh, I think that is well taken in my in my sharing my story. I, w- I was. Um, I was not in a station in life where I was really a person of great consequence. I was just another soldier, right? Um, at that particular juncture, a specialist having attained that rank a few different times. But but I think what we all have to under is what you're kind of getting at is a little bit of risk aversion, the, the fear, or the concern that, you know, how someone might respond to my inquiry. Or to my simply asking a question. Um, and I think so. it's an attitude of that people matter. Um, and I think uh, the spiritual readiness, we talk about spiritual readiness, the spiritual life is a life of connections. It's uh, uh, caring enough about someone else to come alongside and just have a conversation. Um, and I think sometimes because of the world that we live in and the digital and information age and the age of technology, it's a lost art. We we don't know how to, uh, to have uh, interpersonal relationships and to ask meaningful questions. And what I find um, is that oftentimes when I speak to, say, younger soldiers or uh, and I just ask them a few questions, and I often get the response, you know, nobody's ever asked me that before, and that's really kind of sad. You know, here you are, 18 to, you know, 25 years of age, and and you're really looking to find your way, and, 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 pe- and, and people haven't asked you kind of questions that can help you to begin the journey, and I think it, what it is is that, too, we have to be mindful that like I described in my story, you know, a lot of our people in our, a lot of our service members and their families are coming from houses and not homes. They, they, they aren't coming from environments um, necessarily that cultivated that sense of community and connection um, and concern uh, that comes in, in healthy relationships. And, uh, and so What we have to recognize is that when we make those connections with people, we're helping them to find their spiritual legs, um, to find their sense of meaning and purpose. And so I think it's very, very important that every person listening today understands that you matter and that you matter to other people and that our disposition towards other people each and every day, I call them divine appointments, right? We keep them every day. We encounter people Um, In all kinds of places, ways and forms. And do we take the time to engage and to really care? And sometimes a couple of simple questions, maybe even one question can make a huge difference in the life of the person. And yes, you don't have to be a trained professional to be able to have those kind of conversations.
0: Chaplain, this is uh, Sergeant Estes again. I really do like how you answered that question. And it, it really has put things in perspective for me um, when I've counseled airmen and uh, you know, maybe talked to family members and friends. A lot of times um, individuals, especially if they're suicidal, they um, don't have hope because they are coming from those, those houses, like you said, and not homes. And um, a lot of times they're really searching for their purpose. And so for you to say, You realize the value and the worth that you brought to other people is so profound because I think people are just wanting a reason to to give back and they wanna they wanna help and they wanna feel like um, they're contributing to something even though they might have come from these broken homes as you spoke of earlier. And so um, saying that you know they bring value and worth to a situation, an organization, a family, a friend is is so powerful. So thank you for saying that. Um, The next question I had. Was, you know, when you were going through uh, some of those changes that you mentioned when you were in Vandenberg and um, you were still in the enlisted corps, are there any other types of uh, individuals or support that kind of helped you along the way, aside from Doc McElroy and Captain Sanford?
2: Yes. Yeah, so th- thank you uh, for serving. I, you know, the Army didn't have um, a lot of programs back in that era. <clears throat> And um, and I think that um, the support mechanisms were limited, but they were present. It's just really that culture, the, the cultural picture that I painted to you was of a different time. Um, and I think now today in Just Disposed, in this culture, Matt, we have so many supporting agencies and helping agencies that provide support, it can almost, it can almost be overwhelming in some sense, especially for leaders who are trying to navigate the trajectory of how people get assistance. I think the most powerful, profound assistance is a relationship, a meaningful relationship with another person. Anybody can provide that. And then in that meaningful relationship, there's something that's established. It's called trust. And when trust is established in a relationship with a person, um, then the discernment of you know what is that that service member or that family member what is it what is it that they need um, I think that's another thing that uh, is kind of a little bit of a challenge in our culture and here's what I mean by that it seems as though we've adapted a narrative today that every problem or every condi- human condition or, or every difficulty is a behavioral health issue and in the spiritual readiness. Initiative that we've conducted in the Army. I do that in concert with the Surgeon General, who is an advocate, spiritual readiness, with the Chief of Behavioral Health, who's also, and they understand the importance of spiritual formation and readiness to overall health and well-being and functioning. And uh, and I and so I think that uh, that what we are attempting to do at least in the army. And I know the other services are as well, um, is develop those qualities in a person. So, uh, so that in a time of stress or hardship or tragedy, um, that they have the wherewithal, they have the, the spiritual, uh, psychological, physiological, religious and values formation um, to help them in the, in, in the strength of their character their disposition, their decision making, and the integrity of, their, of, the, of those choices and decisions. So I think, um, I think forming trusting relationships, foster, uh, uh, developing and fostering an environment of care for others um, is part of what a healthy uh, community should be about. People join the military because they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves they want to make they want to connect and spiritual life helps them I think what you're identifying some of the harmful behaviors is what's behind a lot of this and the behavioral health professionals would agree or would be in agreement with everything that I'm saying that what they often see is really something that could be dealt with by some other means just a relationship a, a, a caring relationship with someone could be the chaplain could be a friend, it could be a family member. They just lack those kinds of things. And then I think um, that what the the science and research shows us, um, the evidence-based research shows us that uh, the most protective thing, the most protective thing of uh, anything that one could offer another human being um, is the spiritual dimension of readiness. Um, as a matter of fact, the science shows that um, it is most protective when it comes to dependence, uh, substance abuse and dependence in, um, uh, in the lives of people, risk-taking behaviors, um, depressive disorders, major depressive disorders, and, um, uh, and suicidality, especially when you link it with a personal faith and belief and shared community practice with others. And, then, and the numbers are astronomical. Um, substance abuse, it's 80% more protective. Uh, Risk taking, it's 70%. Um, major depressive disorders, it's 60%, and uh, suicidality, it's 50 to 80%. So, so having these connections and understanding the importance of spiritual life um, to to thriving and to having a life worth living is absolutely critical and paramount to understand.
1: One of the things that um, we often hear, especially um, in a cyber related environment, is the, you know, destigmatization is is our goal. But it's like, you know, if I go seek mental health, I'm going to lose my clearance. Um, I'm going to get med boarded. You know, all of these things, all of these fears come up. And so sometimes people don't seek the help, right? Or I don't want to get leadership involved but your proof that you can seek personal help and still have a successful career without experiencing any negative professional consequences. And I say any, you know, loosely, but what is your message to listening uh, service members and their families?
2: So I have, I have currently, I've held higher, but I currently have, in, there, in light of everything I've told you, I've divulged those things on every interview or assessment for an, a, clear, a clearance or to be a part of some of the organizations that I've served in um, in the military that required high levels of security clearance. So I currently have a TSSEI. Um, and uh, the bottom line is it's obvious that I have those things, and yet I've acknowledged that I've had difficulties in the past. I've acknowledged that I've gotten help and I acknowledge that I'm better. Uh, and I, I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of inaccurate, uh, perception as it relates to getting help. Um, I, one of the things that I would offer is, um, uh, in, is, you know, where you go to get help. And so, um, so, for example, the chaplain, if you—if an individual seeking help goes to the chaplain, well, that conversation is confidential and privileged, meaning the individual owns the information. Um, and the chaplain um, uh, has, for example, no duty to report. So there is no duty to report, but that doesn't mean there isn't a responsibility to take action. Those are two different things. So the freedom and the latitude that a service member would have to go see the chaplain is probably the safest place that one could go. Um, The chaplain is by, as a matter of fact, by regulation and law and policy uh, required to keep that information confident that's privileged confidential. Uh, They cannot divulge it. In fact, they could be punished by UCMJ. So I would (laughs) offer you to look at it maybe a little differently that in fact, it is so protected um, that if anyone were ever to divulge it, they would suffer the consequences of breaching um, that that area of trust between uh, the individual uh, and and the and the chaplain in this context. Um, but I think uh, part of it is is the culture that we create, and I think it, what it's going to take is it's going to take very senior people like myself or other senior people to come online and say, hey. I am not a perfect person, and hello, none of us are, Um, and I've had difficulties in my life, and I needed outside agency, and it's okay. As a matter of fact, a really strong person recognizes it. Uh, I think it's a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness that you can self-identify that I need agency of other to work through a challenge or difficulty. So I think it's uh, the Optics of seeing senior people willing to come out. And I, I applaud those leaders in our various services. And I know the Air Force has them as well, who are still serving, who have come online and said, Hey, I went and sought help. And as a result, you know, I'm here today and I'm serving. And I think those are powerful testimonials, um, as it were, that encourage people and kind of combat the issue of stigma that you're talking about.
0: Yes, sir. Um, this is Arnestis. So basically, um, you you basically kind of quoted one of my favorite quotes, and it it's uh, transparency is actually um a strength found in leaders. Um, I know that some of the greatest leaders that I have followed have led with that transparency and opened up and and showed that they were human too and that they had made mistakes. And I too have tried to mimic that leadership style and um, just being honest and and letting people know that, hey, you're not the only person that has dealt with this. Um, So have I, and this is what I did to to mitigate those things. And so when we're talking about um, changing the culture of, of suicide prevention and with a more meaningful approach, how can we as senior leaders, like you said, change that culture into more of a life worth living and, and make it a more positive approach. Like you said, in one of your videos.
2: Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think the army's embrace and I, of spiritual readiness. Um, let me just start off with the suicide is very important. Suicides are devastating. And I think uh, obviously the individual that makes the decision to take their life they they sadly that that's a one act for them, but those who are left die a thousand deaths, so the injury and harm that we do by extension when we when someone commits suicide, and I've been on that path and and it, and then when I think about it sometimes, you know what if right? Well, I look at my family today, my wife of almost 45 years and my four children who are all married and six grandchildren. When I often talk to audiences, I put up that picture of my entire family sitting on a hay wagon back home in North Dakota. And then I flip to the next one and it's a blank page. Which picture do you want? In other words, my life mattered. And it matters to all of those people. And I think that what one has to realize is that every life is worth living. Uh, and we, and hope, is, we've discussed earlier the importance of hope. We uh, have to instill in people hopeful outcomes in life. And I think that uh, the messaging that every life is worth living, no matter what you have done, no matter what you're experiencing, someone cares. Um, and so I think that the approach that the Army has taken by standing by and or with the Spiritual Readiness Initiative and leading it and allowing us to educate and train and develop these spiritual life skills and people um, is um, is revolutionary. It's needed in our culture. It's needed in our military culture. Um, and the increased emphasis that the Army has placed on this is helping I believe it's um, it's the it's what we are seeing now in some of the downward trends, um, i.e., even in suicide, where um, those things we're seeing impacts. Um, and so, I think um, it's very, very important, um, uh, as you mentioned, transparency um, and connecting with people to helping them to understand that their life is worth living. Uh, even in most difficult of circumstances and giving them that reason to take the next step. I think in my life, Doc McElroy gave me the reason, the opportunity to take that next step. Um, and so I'm eternally grateful um, for the people in my life. And I think it's a culture that we cultivate, a culture of care that we must cultivate uh, in our military because we're receiving into our military Hundreds of thousands every year that are in that age, 18 to 25, um, who are socially isolated, looking for meaning and purpose, coming from a culture and a society that is often isolated and disconnected. And we're also living in this information age, the digital age that compounds it. Um, we have a tremendous challenge, but we have a great opportunity to make a difference in the lives of young men and women as they join our military. And we owe it to their families. We owe it to the nation to get this right.
1: There are just so many great takeaways from from listening to you today. And one of the biggest things that I, I heard you, and you said it multiple times, is that connection, right? That connection, that support. And uh, that transparency and building relationships. And so, I am so grateful, Chaplain, that you were able to join to join us today and and uh, to to speak to our our listeners. I, I I'm beyond grateful. I, I I can't even say it. <laughs> any you know, there's nothing I can say to to um, describe how I'm feeling right now listening to you.
2: Thank you. And, you know, I obviously I'm wearing uh, the, the uniform of the United States Army, but we're all in this together. So the my counterparts, my other chief chiefs of chaplains um, are not only dear friends and colleagues, um, but we all face similar challenges and we work together as a team. Uh, at the end of the day, you want a military that can fight and win our nation's wars. And our responsibility is to care for the soul of the people that do it and their families and ensure that we're investing in those people. And as I said earlier, connecting them in their spiritual life and spirit with one another and and that we're cultivating a healthy community um, where people can thrive. As I mentioned to you, I came into the Army at a season where I was able to survive but we need to create an environment and a culture in the military where people can thrive. Um, So I wanna thank you for, I wanna thank the Air Force for leading the way today um, and reaching out and inviting somebody from another service from the Army of all things to join you and be a part of this discussion. I'm deeply honored. I feel privileged to be a part of this conversation because I think it's one of the most important conversations that we need to have um, in our society and in our military culture today,
0: Chaplain, this is Sergeant Estes. I, I second what Francis uh, said. First of all, thank you for taking time out to speak to us today. Um, I, I am just so honored, like she said, to have had this discussion with you, and um, I'm very thankful of your experiences that you had, and the the will and the power and the relationships that you developed to get get you to where you are now because you know with your you talking about leading the initiative and the spiritual readiness and um just the spiritual life skills and then also giving a fit person back to society caring for that soul. and so i really thank you for um pushing this out and again speaking with us today and from the bottom of my heart i, I really thank you thank you so much
2: Thank you both. Um, I appreciate what you're doing and uh, the audience listening today. um, uh, Your life does matter and every life is worth living. And I would encourage you, if you're having a dark night of the soul, somebody out there cares. Uh, Seek out that person who cares. Seek out that help um, and uh, and give your life the opportunity it deserves and the people around you deserve as well. So bless you all. Thank you again for, for this engagement today.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you shirt for joining us today. As always, if you're thinking of harming yourself, you can reach out to your leadership, chaplains, teammates, family, and friends. There is someone in your life who cares for you. You can also reach out to the national suicide lifeline at nine, eight, eight. Thank
2: you again. And Gladiators Out. Yep, Chapman Soldier out here. Thanks again. Deeply appreciated.